Welcome to your typical Shona protagonist. He's Kai, I'm Kells, and today we're talking about Samurai Shamblow. First off, Kai, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm glad I, I, I took the time and fully watched Samurai Shamblow because, in my opinion, it was worth all 26 episodes of my time. Yeah, man. Like, it is a... It's a vibe. Like, it is a whole vibe, and it is one of the... I'm, I mean, I don't know if we can say classics, but I feel like we can. Like, it's definitely a cult classic, but I feel like it's a classic in the anime genre. Certainly. It's one of those unique kind of passion projects that really sticks out in your mind. In the vast sea of anime, Samurai Champloo is a, a unique setting and mishmash of concepts that really doesn't happen anywhere else other than anime. And very rarely in anime, too. Um, a lot of these classic weirdo cult shows that are pretty much the greatest shit you've ever seen are all coming from one, three, seven people. Um, at least in terms of uh, Samurai Shampoo, it's all coming from Shinichiro Watanabe, the director for this and a bunch of other stuff you definitely love. Yes, like, and we'll get to... A lot of that other stuff here um, in a minute, but we got to talk about Samurai Shamplow first, which is a 26 episode, like you said, by Watanabe, um, which really focuses on a hip hop influence. Um, I feel like he has a trend with the music or like, so he's done three big anime or he's done a lot of anime, but three of the biggest ones I feel like he's done are Cowboy Cowboy Bebop, which is iconic. Like, if you don't know, like, if you don't know Cowboy Bebop, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand. Cowboy Bebop is extremely popular and extremely well received, even in the West. Like, it is insane. Definitely. And it has a jazz influence. I would say. I feel like that's safe to say. Kind of a noir detective, um, gangster vibe mixed with you know, American jazz, whereas Samurai Shampoo is a feudal Japan on the cusp of um, globalization, right? We It's the end of the samurai era, and we are seeing the very beginnings of European influence on Japan. And of course, it's all, uh, this series is all like kind of um, nonfiction light, you know, we got a we got an ancient Japan, uh, uh, an mildly almost modern Japan setting, but none of this actually happens. Yeah. So, uh, but also infused with hip hop from a Japanese perspective, and it does it so incredibly well. It brings all of the four pillars of hip hop into samurai world, and really makes you like combines the two the the struggle and effort of the samurais no longer being a class and like a needed thing in Japanese society um as the world progresses and hip hop being the 
effort to rebel and find your own voice and mark your own territory and have a culture that you have made and is part of something that is your own. Um, and it does it so incredibly well with, you know, we've got the samurai, we've got sword fight, we got the introduction of guns, but we also have on the hip hop side, we've got all of them bebopping or uh, b-boying because we got Mugen doing these all wild, crazy dance moves while yes. fighting. Yeah, he's like we, basically break dancing as he fights. Which is just fun and wonderful that he's not a klutz and like he's actually a badass too along with our, our trained martial artists. Um, we've got DJing, the tracks being laid down by none other than New Jabez. New Jabez. Who like, is what? a goat. What? Like Yes. Of all of the uh, Japanese hip-hop producers, um, Nujabez has a special place in everyone's heart. Yes. like um, You also got graffiti in this show. There's a whole, like, episode about, like, two guys that are trying to, like, become the successor to their father. Like, not in swordsmanship, but in, like, who can tag the most gnarly and scary place. No, 100%. Like, and it's cool to see those, like, nods and nuances to, like, just not the musical side of hip-hop, but, like, all aspects, like, the culture of hip-hop. And Watanabe is a huge, like, this stuff reflects the things that he's a fan of in real life. Like, he listens to a lot of hip-hop music and things like that. So it's really cool to see that he understands that culture as well and respects it. And just, like, Mugen's whole... So you got the two characters. You have Jin, and you got um, Mugen, and then you have Fu, Fu, Fa, Fu, 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 um, who are the three protagonists of the anime, and they each kind of I feel like represent a different aspect of the hip hop style. Like it's kind of a stretch, but Mugen is kind of like the do what I want, break the rules. Why? Jin is the cool, refined, like, structure. If I had to compare them all to, like, MCs, it would be, like, Mugen is kind of like that Wu-Tang forever type vibe. And then you got Jin, who's out here being the straight lace, like, I'm just going to stick to the bars, like, kind of bat, not battle rapper, but more like spitter, kind of like Nas, I would say. And then Fu, it's Fu. Yeah, man, foo is foo, and certainly like they they the there are two sides to this characters. One, their upbringing, um, with the kind of mentality and and principles that they're taught, uh, but also the things that tie them together. Like you've got this samurai in Gene, who's like all calm and collected and a badass, but he's also poor as fuck. Yeah, just like the other two. And they're all intrinsically good people as well, I would say. Like, meh. I, I mean, you have to make your decision on, like, how does murder stand in your book? I mean, like, uh, certainly get murdered once in life. Or, okay, that came out wrong. Like, every, like, it's, to me, it's kind of like a, it does depend on whose side you're on, yes. Yeah. But. Fortunately I, for us. Yeah. We're on the side of these two, these three, reaching their goals. 
Yes. You know? So to us, they're on the side of good. Yeah. And they help people along the way as well. Um, they don't really let, you know, because the magistrate's out here on some BS. And yes, they kill his son, which kind of starts it all. But his son let's, uh, was trash. Yeah, very technically. Uh, let's run the characters down right quick. We've got our main girl, Fu, who is this girl who's kind of, you know, working in this tea shop and runs into our boys. And uh, her mom died, and she's like, all right, well, I guess the tea shop burned down. I've got to go on an adventure and find the Sunflower Samurai. Nothing's going to push me like my job literally burning down. So she's on the hunt for the Sunflower Samurai. Yes, the we Samurai have, that smells of sunflowers. Yep. We have Mugen, the... David Sabat, is that the one? Um, Who's the voice actor? David's, yeah. Yeah. Chris Sabat? Chris Sabat, yeah. Chris Sabat. Fucking hell, man. <laughs> I, I call myself a weeaboo. Uh, Chris Sabat, the fun-loving... Um, the Vegeta, the Piccolo, the... Yeah. There's some other ones, but I forgot because they're not Vegeta or Piccolo. Oh, All Might. No, kind uh, All Might. Uh, but no, no. Mugen is a hot mess who can't read and was a pirate at his early stages of life. And he has no professional training, but he is sure as shit a fighter. Yeah, like he's... Even when you see him unarmed from his sword in a few episodes... when I don't remember the exact episodes, but there are episodes where he gets like kidnapped... Or something, or his swords get taken, and he has to do like hand to hand combat. And you see, he's actually really good at that as well. Like, he's a very savvy martial artist. So, shout out to him. And shout out to him walking in there and just being like, What's up? I would say a good fighter, not necessarily a savvy martial artist, because he doesn't have any professional training True. other than the training of experience. Uh, where, juxtaposed against our resident samurai, Gene who is a trained samurai in the way of the sword and has this unnerving calmness about him. Yeah, he's a ronin. Or a former ronin, but... Uh, very technically, but still, yes. Um, who has a tragic backstory about having to kill his, um, his dojo's master and then having everyone come after him for doing that. Yeah, I forgot why he had to kill, or not that I forgot, but like just. Big spoiler. Yes. We find out at the end of the show why his master, why he had to kill his master. We get the, we get a tease that he didn't want to kill his master, but like this is the position he was in. He was the one that did it, so he's going to own the circumstances. But at the end of the show, we find out why he had to kill his master. Uh, which we'll get into towards the end. Okay. Um, so these three are stuck on an adventure to find Fu's samurai that smells of sunflowers. And we get, you know, 20, 20-ish episodes of adventure, I would say. You know, there are things that happen, things that progress the story along, but it's a lot of just kind of, what adventure are we getting into this week? Which is nice to be able to live in the world yeah uh story progression wise not a lot happens though yeah and it's 
one thing that like is put in perspective for me is that when you see that Jin is 20, Mugen is 19, but Fu is 15. Like she is the mature one in some aspects, but you know, she's still very much a child in some, but like the way she like kind of handles things makes it seem like she's a lot older than 15. But then you realize she's been through a lot in her life. Like mom died, but let's work outside on fire. Almost died a few times. Living in the Edo period where the transition between uh, feudal Japan and not feudal Japan is happening currently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The life is in turmoil. Truth. Truth. Uh, um, later on, we need to circle back to the director. Yes. Uh, but let's keep following down this uh, this path. So, yeah, no, totally. Um, the whole dichotomy between Fu is the one pushing the crew towards the goal but also we see hints of her not being exactly aware of certain parts of the world you know she is aware but we can really see where her emotional state is more to say not honed to the way things work yeah no she's still very much a child at um, emotionally, even though she had to make some pretty big decisions. Like, one instance I found, which was very evident of that, when she had to basically get his name, um, when the which one? The big, scary monk dude who was, like, oh, ugly. Oh, yeah. Early on in the show, we've got the guy from the first episode gets his arm cut off. And he's back for revenge. And he suckers the biggest, ugliest guy to come help him exact revenge. And they kidnap Fu. Except Fu's the only one who looks at this big motherfucker and goes, you know what? You're not that ugly. And he's like, oh, no one's literally ever told me that in my entire life. Yeah. His name being something I also don't remember. Yeah, I... For life, me. Sorry, big ugly guy. I wish I could. But so, um, yeah, no, that's a whole scene where we get to see her being like somewhat like her personality come out to her not really judge people based off looks or like, I mean, not maybe necessarily judge people off looks, but she's able you're able to see her like tenderheartedness and immaturity kind of in a way. Like her pureness, pureness. That's what I'm trying to say. Her purity comes comes through in that instance. When yeah, lack of lack of judgment in appearances, which is great because that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, apparently, especially in this like period where, in historically, you know, that is a time where appearances are really important. And if you're Unfortunately, due to lack of education, if you look a certain way, you are deemed as a monster and you have to cover up and like they will kind of like the Quasimodo effect. So it was very intricate of her to be like, yeah, no, you're not ugly. As ugly. Yeah, you're not ugly enough for me to like flee from you to be like an like the the evil voodoo ogre that you are supposedly like. Yeah. But yeah, no, totally. Like and that that's the interesting part about Fu. Is that yes, she's kind of immature with like how her feelings are. She hasn't really had a, a lot of time to process uh a lot of things in life. 
like her entire quest is going on um now that her mother is dies going on a quest to find the the samurai that smells of sunflowers that as we go on we find out is actually her father she's on a quest to find her father and give him some shit for leaving his, her and her mom yeah but we don't know that that's her father until the end yeah, it, it kind of progresses. We find out that it's her father a couple episodes before we get to his location. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it's certainly hinted at. It's certainly, like, poked at. It's not just some samurai. It's some samurai that she remembers. And it's some samurai that... She was close to. She, re- Yeah. And, and it slowly inches towards, you should think this thing that we're not going to confirm yet. Which is great. It's a great uh, kind of tease. The progression of the reveal is excellent. By the time they confirm it, you're like, man, I knew it and I'm glad I was right. Yeah, no, it was like, it was a happy reveal where you're like, okay, so this was her father. Like, we figured, you know. And... Was her father really this strong dude because it was her father or because he was, like, actually a strong dude? And then you realize, oh, no, he was actually, you know, a dope samurai who actually loved his family and didn't want to leave and yada yada because of things happened. Which, again, are big spoilers, which we should say in general, like, we all always have that spoilers. Watch shot, nah, Samurai Shampoo if you have not watched Samurai Shampoo. Yeah, we got to start by... Um... We gotta start opening these episodes with spoilers. I mean, again. just assume any podcast that you listen to from us is going to be spoilers. Yeah. We'll put it um, somewhere. So we, we've kind of touched on some things about the the kind of major motivation of this show, the quest for the Sunflower Samurai. Let's circle back before we get into like the story and the big reveal about uh who the Samurai That Smells of Sunflowers is, and let's talk about some of the other shows that uh, Shinichigo Watanabe, the director of this show, has also done. He's done Cowboy Bebop, yes. which is considered one of the contenders for the greatest anime ever produced. But also, there's a whole slew of things that he's done, and also the studio that produced Cowboy Bebop have made. So let's start with... Uh, with Watanabe, and then we'll talk about Studio uh, Manglobe. So, Watanabe also, like you said earlier, there was the jazz era, which is Cowboy Bebop, and then we have the hip-hop era, which is um, Shamurai Shampoo, and then you have the disco era, which is futuristic. It's actually one of his newer, um, I say newer, but it came out in 2014, so that's 10 years after Shamurai Shampoo, so yes, newer. Um, Futuristic? Yeah. Space Dandy. It takes place in space. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's very heavily the disco era. Um, disco type of music is played throughout it. You have kind of a vibe that is reminiscent to... Definitely, you can see the impact of Spa- or Cowboy Bebop in it due to like certain uh, types of space travel, but you yep. also see um, influenced by. I feel like you see influences by Fully Cooley as well. Um, definitely Redline. I don't know if you've ever watched Redline. I have not. This is a Studio Bones production, which is exciting to see that uh, Shinichiro Watanabe is the director for it because that makes a lot of sense. 
but no, totally. This is kind of uh, Space Dandy is a show that is definitely influenced by all of the 1970s space operas. We were talking about one previously with Interstellar 555 being influenced by like uh, Super whatever uh, Yamato. Yeah. Super Space Yamato. Super, yeah. Super Fortress. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like that's the same vibe here. This is a callback and like a passion project, a love letter to those shows, which is why they're playing disco music over a space adventure. Yeah, no, 100%. It's got that nod. It's got the nod to... Um, there's a nod to Gurren Logan as well. Like, just everything spatial and big. And the disco music, the era, the fighting, the campy style, it's, it's definitely got Watanabe all over it. And one thing that I love about him so much is that everything he personally puts his hands on has an amazing musical score and has a very big musical influence. Like his most recent work to date, I believe it's his most recent work. I could be wrong. But in 2019, Carolyn and Tuesday came out, which was another one of his original works. And man, I tell you, I tell you, it was so good. Like it's basically the story of this Mars, like people are living on Mars and there's these two musicians called Carol and Tuesday. And you see everything from hip hop, you see everything from jazz to um like ska music, like opera singing. It's so good. Like after we get off this podcast, I'm gonna make you like listen to one of the songs from Carol and Tuesday. I should have made you do that before the podcast, but wasn't super thinking. Um you know, I want to talk about some other crazy stuff he's done, though. Yeah, go for it. So he's directed two shorts from the Animatrix, which was the animated movie in from the Matrix universe that got made um, back in 2003. Uh, he did Detective Story and Kid Story, uh, to which I don't remember which ones those are, but it's kind of fun that he worked with the... Uh, the Matrix crew on producing anime for the American market. Uh-huh. Um, also, he he was the music producer for Mind Game. Do you remember Mind Game? I super weird do, show. Unfortunately, yes, that was very. I was like an acid trip. If I, I don't even know, man. Like, I can only imagine. Like, I feel like doing acid would be exactly like mind game yeah uh i feel that exact same way now he didn't write the music but he coordinated the production of the music which is excellent to see that he's continuing to do weird stuff also um shinichiro watanabe all uh produced the uh directed the video for uh more featuring anderson park park from uh Flying Lotus, which is incredibly wild. We continue to have these musical overlaps between anime and music. Yes. Uh, Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, it's all like he's a huge lover of music. And ironically, he's done some pretty great storyboards as well. He actually did one of your favorite anime storyboards, Arika 7. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Yeah, he was in charge of the storyboard for that. And, um,. What's that creepy anime? Ergo Proxy? Ergo Proxy? Yeah, Ergo Proxy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, moving on to Ergo Proxy, 
Uh, let's move on to the other animes produced by Studio Manglobe. Uh, Mangrobe. Yes. So um, We open with Samurai Shampoo being the first anime that Manglobe produced back in 2004. Moving on to Ergo Proxy. And then let's hit some of the other ones that you know. There, there are about 10-ish that they made. Yeah. Give or take. So Damon but, Wonderland was yep. the one that hurt me because it was really good and no one knows why they didn't continue it. Probably the same reason they didn't continue Gangster. Yeah. Gangster is another one. Gangster is probably... <sighs> Gangster might be one of the best 12 episode anime out there. Um, uh, yes. Which is just so tragic. Because you've got this studio putting out wild and crazy and wonderful anime. Like, true bangers. Samurai Champloo, Gangsta. But, you know, some of these shows in the middle, I've never heard of in my life. Like, have you heard of Michiko and Hachin? I have no idea what that is. You ever heard of The Sacred Blacksmith? Um, yes. Um, of course. I have. I watched two episodes. It was, okay, it wasn't bad. It was just, I feel like the problem with the Sacred Blacksmith is it was so cookie cutter for the time that it came out. There was literally like 45 other anime with the exact same plot and things. Um... And it just, it wasn't strong enough to pull it forward. It was about this dude who was a sword fighter, but also a blacksmith. And this red-haired girl who wanted to be strong, but she could only be strong from using his swords. Like, it was, it was not good. And, and you've got these kind of mediocre anime, which a smaller studio like uh, Manglobe really can't recover from, I guess. You've got uh, Studio Piro producing... Like, seven shows per season. Just vomiting content out in the universe with both mediocre and true bangers every season. And a smaller studio like this really, I guess, has to have a track record to be able to grow. Um, which it has. True classic. Samurai Shampoo. Um, I don't know about Ergo Cracks Proxy, but I rem- like I know the name... But certainly, Dead Man Wonderland comes to mind, and Gangster comes to mind. But right after Gangster hits, they close the studio. The studio files for bankruptcy, and we will never receive a season two of Gangster because of that, unless somehow some other studio picks it up. But who knows? Um, one other show I want to talk about uh, Manglo producing is they made the animated film for the 2010, they made a segment uh, for the animated film for Dante's Inferno. You remember that weird ass game? Yep. Yeah, they uh, they made a segment for that film. Because uh, uh, I guess why was it good? Do you know anything about it? Like, I, I'm I have no idea other than they did it. That's fair. Um. So I guess I'm I'm glad that uh, Manglobe existed. It's tragic that they are not still a thing. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like Watanabe's done, though. Because he's like... No. 
he's still out there and he's kicking. And honestly, I feel like Terror and Residence, which is another one he's did, is also like one of the best suspense anime. Like it's new. It's very. And it came out in 2014, so it's not new, but it's very. It's very. It's good. It's very good. Um, and I feel like he's got a lot more in the tank. Um, he is 56, I believe. He's getting up there. Yeah, he's 56. So, he's getting up there. So, hopefully, if he does do manga and stuff, he just has someone else kind of do it. And he just oversees it. Um, to my knowledge, he doesn't have any kind of manga releases. He is just a video director. Along with other other kinds of production uh, aspects. But musical supervisor, unit director, music producer, storyboarder. Uh, but he is certainly a a video focused guy. Um, but no, as of like 2021, he's doing Blade Runner Lotus, uh, creative producer for animations. Um, Carol on Tuesday came out in 2019. I don't think he's gonna slow down, man. I think you're right. Yeah, I hope not. Like, I hope I love seeing his work. He's one of the greats. Like, we gotta put his name up there with Ano. We gotta put his name up there with Oda. We gotta put his name up there with all the other greats, like, for sure. Like, Watanabe is definitely a once-in-a-lifetime talent, I feel like. Um, he's put out some pretty crazy stuff, and hopefully, like he said, like, there's a chance that we might see Studio Monglo come back, or maybe they'll pick up, someone else will pick up all their stuff, and he finds a way to work in there, and I don't know. I just want to see him do stuff again, honestly. Definitely, definitely. Now, back to Samurai Champloo. We've got the whole ass quest for the Sunflower Samurai, which is a whole adventure, totally worth watching. But the end of it, we find out kind of what's going on with the Samurai himself. And the reason that the Sunflower Samurai left his family was because he became a Christian as the Europeans first met the Japanese and the culture began to propagate. And the Japanese officials decided, no, we're not going to have this second brand new religion come on the scene and fuck up all our shit. Because... As we see in one episode of the show, if you follow your faith, people will do things that are not in line with the goals of the government, right? Yeah. And so we kind of see that. We see that the underground Christians are following this fake priest who is simply using them per to produce guns. And it's like, oh shit, you're, you're like using their values against them for evil, right? So the government's like, no, Christianity, not today, no. Which is why the Sunflower Samurai left Fu and her mom in the first place. He wanted to bring them along with him, but he knew that if he did, they would be in harm's way. And we see the fact that harm's way really does exist. Entire villages are burned simply because they follow the faith of Christianity. And he is at fault for it. He brought and the island where the episode, like the series ends. All hates this man because he brought Christianity to the island. And if he never came, 
the government would never come and murder people and burn houses to the ground. People are still inside. Yeah, that's that's rough, you know. And it's very interesting that he chose to have such strong belief that he really didn't keep it to himself. And I wonder, like, in his final moments, if he regretted, you know, introducing that, his fate. Who knows? I, I don't feel like he did. Uh, but certainly the impacts is something that he could not control, but are, is also, like, responsible for. Um, now, Japan's whole opinion about Christianity is like is is really shown at the very beginning in this show like where it starts but the disdain for Christianity in Japanese culture is like a very real and prevalent thing uh throughout anime um as an entertainment media it really gives you a glimpse into their opinions about um Christianity and the like um yeah and you you have other Asian cultures like um, Korea, South Korea is a very large part Christian, but you have to take in all of the different things that have happened in recent history between them, between the time of them meeting Europeans to modern day, which is the same way you got to take in Japan. What has happened with them and throughout modern history? Because this show takes place in quote unquote like 1880. Like, we're almost at the turn of the 19th century, or the 20th century. We're almost at electricity. We're almost at cars. Yeah. And it's crazy to think about how, you know, close that time was between everything happening. Like, to the modern era. Yeah, in the grand scheme of the universe, we're almost at hip-hop. Yeah. So, it's like, we're almost at hip-hop. This stuff is still happening. Like, these journeys are still being, you know, it's it's weird, but it's also realistic. And that's the crazy part. Yeah. Um, which is, is enlightening. It's, if, if you take a moment and look at something through the lens of somebody, like so, another culture's eyes, you can really begin to see how they view certain topics. Um, which this doesn't really like have an opinion either way other than like this is the way things work and it is a great plot point to discuss in terms of like the 1880s way Japan was. Yeah, no, 100%. Now, now one of the things that Samurai, uh, Samurai Samplu is excellent, it is wonderful about is all of the incredible action and fight scenes. Yes. First episode, you're laid prevalent to it as how crazy it is when they come in the tea shop, I believe it's a tea shop, and these men are trying to basically hit on Fu, I believe, and like it just breaks down to this huge brawl, and you see Mugen like going through the tables and using the atmosphere in the surrounding environment, that's the right word, using the environment to fight. Like, you know, he's kicking desks and chairs and he's moving and it's kind of like a, and it's happening to the fluidity of the music as well. Like, it's so, yeah. it's such a complete product. At the at the very beginning, 
like in in this fight scene alone um it doesn't quite happen like they're they're hitting on food but it, it is an excellent introduction to one the way that the world is changing we now have kind of like governors and uh town leaders that didn't always used to be there like this hasn't always been the way so now you've got this punch bit punk bitch kid who's like my dad's the governor and i can do whatever i want and foo makes a mess somehow and he's like i'm going to cut off your finger because i can fucking do it and what can you do and mugen's like if you feed me i'll save your finger and then boom incredible fight scene and then the introduction of our other main character. And a fight scene between them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a whole vibe. And I love when she's like like prom like they're haggling for the amount of food that he's gonna get. Yeah. Twenty, no fifty. No, no, couldn't be fifty. Yeah, I'll just cut off your arm, but I'm not a good shot. One hundred dumplings. Yeah, and then he just goes off, so and then you have the fight scene um, towards the end, which is like the the fight, uh, the final fight between Mugen and Jin. And <laughs> man, let's uh, let's hang out for that one yeah. for just a moment. Um, you've got the fight scene uh, most recently towards the end with Sarah, the blind Shamisen player that turns out to be an assassin. Yeah. The, like, like the only person that can really go toe-to-toe with either Gene or Mugen. That's wild on and his at, own. Yeah, and at the end, she's like, I'm not going to kill you. You're going to kill me. Because I realized that my kid, the reason I've been fighting this entire time, was dead for a long time. I've just been letting them use me. It's like... Oh damn! Yeah, and this was um, this wasn't Sarah, was it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was the other thing too that blew my mind was that she was like, I don't know, like I'm not trying to like be sexist, of course, but the fact in the era, like this woman was like the final boss, was wild. Like, I mean, not really the final boss because once we find out, like, okay. To your point, yes. Woman used as a like a professional trained high level assassin. Like, is that really a role that is a thing? Espionage wise, ninja wise, yes, totally. Yeah. Cause forget social rules, whatever gets the job done is the answer. Um, which which is a problem. Like if if equality comes for the sake of evil, um, I don't know if that's the best course. You're you and like you, the woman and I, the man are equal in the fact that we're gonna go murder a bunch of hoes, or else. Um, I don't think that's a a good ethical argument for either one of us to be equal. Um, however, uh, no, certainly, in a show where we see men, men, men getting their ass kicked. And like finally seeing a woman and a disabled woman at that be a badass. It's like, it sucks that you're on the side I got to root against because you are so cool. Yeah, no, I really didn't. I really didn't want her to die. Like, I really enjoyed her character. And like, 
she was just very like I felt like she had the best chance of ending up with one of them because not that yeah, like at the, what's that yeah like at the end we start to get her like we see her being more interested in Mugen yeah as a character and like wanting more information about him other than the fact that she has to like kill everyone yeah which I hate because they were never gonna give her the child anyway which just is awful so yeah I really wanted to punch the dude in the face or the people who hired her like I had real life hate for them so yeah and then we get to our our main boss which depends on who it is Mugen's gotta fight his own bad guys towards the end of the uh, show which are three brothers that he maimed in one of the previous adventures yeah the sugar ship that he took over with his pirate buddies the three brothers from that ship are back and are here to exact revenge. Whereas Gene has to face the greatest swordsman, a swordsman that's named the hand of God. Yeah. Which is wild. Like, I feel like in this era you get like, like it's really, it takes me back to like Samurai X and the Batosai, like how all the baddest people had like nicknames and stuff like this. Like even Afro Samurai, and getting one yep. in this was like a super cool like ode to those shows so i was really here for it man afro samurai is a correlation between this and that show that really blends anime and hip-hop yeah in a samurai fashion in a great tangential way yeah like it's these are two of the shows like that i feel like i would show someone Who's like really about? Because I mean, new job is like I know we've talked about the music already, but like just the, I feel like fifty percent of the enjoyment of Samurai Shamplow comes from the music, and like any producers, anybody out there who's trying to like make it in hip hop or anything, I would be like, yo, you have to listen to this soundtrack, all ninety four songs, <laughs> like, and get the vibe that is new job is and that does play the role into it because it messes with the fight choreography it gives us the hard osts like it just really mends and fall it's like you can't separate these two like some things like anime like my hero for example like you say run was so instrumental with that but you saw that you say run went with like everything just because of the cadence of that show like when it first came out but like i feel like you can't take the new job as sound for this and it work with anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Um, and, and certainly because the passion from the entire team led by Watanabe, like bringing new job as in along with the other collaborators like fat John, um, in on a show that is so focused on loving samurais and hip hop. Like, yeah, I feel it. Yeah. Um, now let's round this out with a re like a, 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 a cap off of the story. Um, everybody dies. Nobody dies. We get a kind of happy ending where everyone's going off on their way. Yeah. What was your opinion about the ending? 
about the, okay, well, everyone's back and yay, they had a hard time, but we've done it. And now we're going off on our separate way. We've grown and we are ready to like do something else. It was, okay, I have three opinions and I'm going to go by like chronological. The first time I finished it, I was like, wow, this ending was very lackluster. It felt like anime, but that was when I was young. That was literally in 2004 or 2006 or something. I was like, wow, this felt like so lackluster. That was like the naivety of me. The second time I rewatched this was a few years back. And I was like, okay, the ending still feels like, yeah. And then this rewatch, I don't know if it's come from like the knowledge I acquired in the past few years or life or whatever, but as it still feels in a way like I, like it's unfinished, but that's how it's supposed to feel. Like for me, at least. Like, they have all grown and learned from each other, and it's the nuances in it. It's the Mugen, Jin, and Fu are all better, stronger people. Like, as a viewer and watcher, I worry. You know, I'm like, what's going to happen to Fu without these two? What's going to happen to Mugen without Jin's, like, and Fu's, like, you know, almost parenting? Like, what's going to happen to Jin? Like, is he going to be able to afford to eat? <laughs> like, um... But it's, they have taken those things from each other and grown. So the ending still feels like... It still feels weird how easily it is for Fu to let go of Jin and Mugen. But I also kind of like it because it is just like a separation. So it's one of those things. And I wish Sarah would have lived too. Like I wish we would have seen more of Sarah. Because I think after Mugen and... Yeah, probably just after Mugen, Sarah might have been my favorite character. It would have been nice to see, like, Mugen settle down with somebody. Yeah, or even, like, uh, I wish Sarah's kid hadn't been dead, so, like, he could go, <laughs> like, get Sarah's kid. So he could be have full-ass stepdad energy? I mean, kind of. That's probably the that's probably the flaw in me. But, like, you know, like, uh, like repentance. Yeah, like, like, progression. Um, certainly no, I, 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 I get it. I get it. Um, with, with everything we've seen so far, we, it's kind of tough for character development to suddenly be in front of you, you know, like this whole show has been about foo coming to grips with the fact that her dad isn't dead and her dad is a sunflower samurai and her dad isn't this badass that she thought she he was anymore. He was, but he's not anymore. He's on his deathbed. And now he can't, like, Fu can't give her dad the shit that she always thought of because he's not able to handle it. Yeah. And, like, they've completed the journey and they've survived. And it's coming to grips with the, the ability to let go. And, like, the value you have in everyone. But, like, now it's time to continue. It's kind of rough. And there's not a lot of time spent on that. Other than, oh, by the way, we're still alive. Oh, by the way, we're healed now. And, oh, by the way, we're at a cross on the roads. And we're leaving. Separate direction. And we're not looking back. Yeah. And it kind of works, but it, it, it is kind of, if you're not ready for it, if you want something different, if you want them to continue the journey, 
it's kind of disappointing. I'm I'm really gonna piss you off with this statement right now. Okay. But it's got that same energy at the end of Pokemon Johto when Misty, Ash, and Brock left for the final time. Except they didn't. Didn't they come back? Well, Brock did. Didn't they come back? Didn't didn't Misty come back? Huh? I mean, Misty didn't really come back. Like, she had an episode cameo 500 episodes later, but like... And? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes. You know. Uh, But no. No, I I feel the vibe. Yeah. It's kind of less violent. We didn't watch people whole ass die. Unfortunately. Uh, But no, the the same kind of emotional vibe. We invested on Ash becoming a Pokemon champion, which he's a punk bitch and didn't do. At least Fu found her Sunflower Samurai. True fuck yeah um but no um i i totally get the vibe we've been on this adventure for two seasons doto is season two right yeah Johto season two okay, oh yeah, no, no i don't like, mean like on... any of the severity yeah. and emotionalness i mean just like them no, whole no. Ass walking well, away <laughs> like it's well, no, the same and, scene. and emotionally emotionally totally yeah totally because we've spent so many episodes on this adventure with all of these characters and we're done with this part of the Pokemon anime adventure. And we won't see these characters again until Brock comes back and Misty gets her cameo. Yeah. Sarah like, should have got no, a totally. R&B like, song before she died. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I get I get what you're saying. And that is very real. That is very real. Um, because they're not dead. Yeah. Thank God. Who could have been? We don't know. She could have walked into like a hole or something. We'll never know. Bro, I was I was hoping that Fu was a whole ass ghost the entire time. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not gonna lie, when I first watched it, I thought Fu was mentally insane. Like <laughs> Like I thought what? Like I thought I thought there was something going on where like she's the only one who could like see him and thought at some point she's gonna start talking to him or something. I don't know. And I was like, oh, because I didn't think the man who smelled the sunflowers was ever going to be real. And then it turned out to be a whole ass person. I was like, oh, okay. Man, I'm mad when you hit me with like three days ago. Yeah, the sunflower samurai was never even there. <laughs> he was the sunflower samurai and everybody. And I'm like, wait a minute. What the fuck? <laughs> no, that's not how the story goes. What are you talking about? Like, there's a whole ass dude that's a sunflower samurai. This is not some like believe in the me that believes in you shit. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I was low key gonna see if like you had watched the ending of it <laughs> like what you have now nah, man you know i'm committed mostly yeah no, i just <laughs> i thought that was funny because here's how like i at that point i hadn't like rewatched the ending i had watched mm-hmm. it but the first time i had watched some like samurai shampoo for the podcast was a rewatch two and a half weeks ago and i watched it at double speed and I think, no. <laughs> and I think that I like literally start doing something else the last few episodes. So I was like, yeah. And somehow it got merged in my head of another anime I was watching. I was like, yeah, the sunflower prince was inside of us all along. And then as I did my rewatch, I was like, I gave him the completely. <laughs> I don't know what anime I gave you, but that was definitely not it. You gave me the end of the prince of tennis. Oh my god. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we have to put that on the list eventually. Yeah. Uh, but. Final thoughts, Samurai Shampoo. Uh, personally, this is a banger of an anime. Yes. 26 episodes. You kind of just get in. Uh, it, it's kind of long for what it is. If it happened today, it would probably be tw- 11 or 12. Yeah. 
but you get more opportunity to live in the world with these characters, which is great. It is fun. Art style as as you're not focused is great. Um, yep. I love it. Take it away. Yeah, no, art style is great. I love it. Uh, this is like seriously one of those art styles that you think about for a long time. It's original. It's great. It feels good. Um, definitely, it's great. Music's great. Art style is great. Production is great. Um, it's one of those shows that only comes along and it's an excellent passion project and then gets your studio shut down after 10 years because they can't keep up the greatness and it's just so tragic. But Watanabe still putting out content and I'm happy for it. I'm so glad that this is something that we can look forward to. We can look forward to more anime directed by Watanabe. Yes. Yes. Man, we've we've done it. We've talked about Samurai Champloo. Thank you so much for helping me get my shit together and putting this off for a week so I could watch it fully with the time it deserved. Oh, no, 100%. Um, you got to, man. And uh, I feel like we did the best we possibly could talking about Samurai Champloo. Of course, if you want to catch more content, you can catch out all of our podcast episodes at your typical show no protagonist on all your podcasters talking Spotify, Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon podcast, which is really the number one location for us getting hits right now. Um, or on Twitter at your TSP. That's U R T S P. Kai, you got a Twitter too. Yes. You can find me at static dread with a Z. Um, please show up and say words because my Twitter is dry. I feel it. I totally, totally feel it. Or, also, I'm playing Dot Hack Infection. We're playing the whole Dot Hack PS2 series on stream at twitch.tv slash corporate kabuki uh, every Wednesday 8 p.m. So uh, check that out as well. But we will catch you next week for more Your Typical Shonen Protagonist.